Fields is a guy that is not a, uh, he makes a lot of mistakes, not particularly accurate at times. He's not a quick read and react guy, and he's on a horrendous team. I don't know if I've seen an offense that bad in talent since the 0-16 Detroit Lions. You know, they just don't have anybody there. Man, I tell you, it's, it's a bad football team, you know, the Bears right now. All of the sun, none of the fun on the Press Box Summer Edition. Joining us now from Pro Football Focus is Ben Brown. Uh, Jared, who was that talking about the Bears? Mike Martz. Mike Martz. Uh, ben, do you think the Bears are going to be that bad of a football team like Mike Martz does? I definitely do, actually. I uh, have some, you know, 10-to-1 futures on them to be uh, finished with the worst record of the NFL. And I definitely think that's justified now. Uh, wasting precious years of that Justin Fields contract, I think it's going to be a pretty big detriment to their organization for quite some time, the way that they've approached this rebuild. So, uh, unfortunate. Uh, we're, we're definitely excited about the Justin Fields era, but they've done nothing to help them. So I think it's going to be pretty ugly in Chicago this year. Have you changed your mind on the mass Singer? I don't. I don't think so. I have. I cannot. Uh, I cannot adjust my models yet at this point. Now, I would say. <laughs> you don't add that into the data. Not quite yet. It might. It might be here another week. We'll have to discuss it again. But uh, I've made no prior adjustments so far in my modeling. So. so, so hold on. This off season and going into this year, we might need you to update things for the Cardinals for when Kyler Murray gets to play Call of Duty and the new Call of Duty comes out, and Tom Brady for when he is or is not on the Mass Singer. You're going to have to be ready to put both of those things in this season. Yeah, I can definitely do that. I do think there is, you know, some preseason data still needing to be accrued, but I do think the Kyler Murray thing specifically uh, is going to be in a good spot by the second half of the season for sure. All right, I am curious um, if you were betting on which quarterback takes the first snap of game one in Pittsburgh? Who would you be betting on? Yeah, I think it's going to be uh, Kenny Pickett, right? Uh, we have kind of seen uh, a similar song and dance when they kind of first started with Ben Roethlisberger, did gravitate toward him starting as a rookie right away. Uh, I do think the mentality of the Steelers organization probably hasn't changed a whole lot when making that initial decision. And I do think that, you know, both this year and long term, Kenny Pickett is definitely the correct answer to have to start at quarterback. So I think it's going to be Kenny Pickett in Dave, uh, in week one. I do think he's going to be, you know, the only legitimate rookie starting quarterback this year. Uh, has three and O changed your mind about the mighty Raiders? <laughs> I mean, I do think they're going to try hard again tonight, right? Against the Patriots. Um, McDaniels, uh, you know, wants to get this victory as well go four and O, but um, I still think, you know, they have, they definitely have the talent in place. My concern like I've said, basically week in and week out is, you know, the, the situations around them, the AFC West in particular, uh, Patrick Mahomes, I do think is going to return this MVP type caliber play. I think Justin Herbert's going to be right behind them. So uh, from that perspective, even if they do get some of those stealing performances from, you know, Derek Carr, Devontae Adams, and even Hunter Renfro, I still think, you know, best case scenario is probably still going to be the second best team in the AFC West. Do you, when it comes to like player props or, or if it's fantasy football, whatever, how much should you factor in a team's offensive line? Because the Raiders obviously have great skill position players, and if the offensive line is just, you know, even if they're just like below average this year, the skill position guy should have a big year. But if they're the worst offensive line in football, which looks like a possibility, uh, how much does that factor in if you're making bets on player props or just even drafting guys in fantasy football? 
I think it definitely can matter. I do, you know, like some of the things we take into account is offensive line continuity, both at, uh, you know, the coaching position for offensive line, but also who's going to be the starters. We have seen some teams, you know, dramatically uh, make over that offensive line in the off season, but uh, year in and year out, if you have that consistency, it's going to help everything around you. So the concern, I think, specifically with the Raiders is not only could they have a pretty poor offensive line, they're all learning a new a new offensive scheme under Josh McDaniels. Hopefully that will be a little bit more friendly uh, to offensive line play, but uh, there's still a lot of question marks to be answered at that particular position for the, for the Raiders, in my opinion, on offense. How good does that have the player to be for you to change uh... – the dad, I, I say this because Darren Waller, we think, might be hurt, but he also might be holding in. Is he good enough to where you would take a look at the numbers on them? Definitely, yeah. I do think, you know, um, his impact specifically on, you know, uh, any upcoming spreads or something, probably right around, you know, 0.6, even 0.75 points, could see uh, the spread move in that direction or, you know, away from the Raiders if he's not actually playing. Uh, the, the, like you said, I think the concern is we haven't had any concrete information as far as what is actually occurring. I think he's leaning more towards uh, holding in than actually being injured at this point in time, so I do think we're going to see him suit up in week one. Uh, but it's definitely a consideration for guys that uh, are on top of this still position like Darren Waller is. Uh, are you, what are you betting on in the final preseason week? You got anything you love this week? I don't have a ton of lo- I love. I did like uh, the Packers yesterday, and that did not come through for me whatsoever. <laughs> so uh, maybe slowing down just a little bit. Uh, I know I talked about the Panthers last week, and I did lose that one on a pretty painful, uh, you know, fumble recovery in the end zone uh, happening to no longer get the cover. So I'm, I'm playing it pretty light uh, from a preseason perspective. I do have some action on, you know, college football week zero. Uh, and some of the other activities that are happening in and around Las Vegas, but uh, not too much on the preseason week three right now. Who might surprise us that you've actually uh, have more positive thoughts on that you uh, probably didn't before this preseason started? That's, you know, that's a good question. I was, I wanted it to be, and I know this probably isn't going to answer your question, but I wanted it to be the Houston Texans. I do think there is some value as far as where the market's actually pricing them right now. If they can be good, if Davis Mills could take that extra step, but, he hasn't shown uh, the capabilities of doing that whatsoever in the preseason. I do think he's had a number of chances. So uh, I think I'm probably out on uh, Houston specifically as far as being the sort of you know sleeper cover type team that the Detroit Lions were last year. Uh, but on the flip side, I do think you know San Francisco was a team I was lower on. Wanted to see you know how Trey Lance fit into this offensive scheme. Uh, we did see some flashes early on in the preseason. I do think that you know heading into Week One, uh, I definitely think you can feel pretty solid about their quarterback situation and I do think that that's going to carry over to them actually being contenders in the NFC West and I don't know if I was necessarily on board with that before seeing him in the preseason uh when you say contenders in the NFC West how likely is it that they can pass the Rams I think it's pretty likely right I mean PFF has been you know somewhat lower on the Rams over the past two seasons is based somewhat on uh you know the roster building construction and how they went about it but they also got I would say not necessarily outlier performances but they got the very best performances in the NFL at three key positions last year, right? Aaron Donald, obviously, uh, an interior defender slash edge, you know, hybrid type situation where he's rushing the, rushing the passer from the edge on, you know, third down and obvious passing out situations. Jalen Ramsey, uh, you know, number one cornerback in the NFL, and then Cooper Cup as well. I think given the, the, the losses that they have surrounding them, no more Andrew Whitworth, uh, you know, losing the offensive coordinator in Kevin O'Connell, those guys need to be even better than what they were last year. And I think that, 
they were all kind of hit their ceiling at the right time. So expecting that to actually happen uh, is, I think, maybe an even bigger stretch than what we saw happen in 2021. So I think there's you know, a pretty decent likelihood that either the 49ers or the Arizona Cardinals uh, are definitely in contention uh, and maybe even overtake the Rams when it's all said and done. Would Aaron Donald be even better than he is if he was allowed to swing his helmet at people? I think so. I mean, it's, he's got to be, right? Like, uh, the intimidation factor alone, I mean, he's already maybe the most intimidating person in the NFL. If he's allowed to do that as well and have a club basically on the field, uh, I know that I would have never want to line up against him, and I'm not sure too many, you know, offensive linemen at any, on any team would actually, you know, sign up for that job as well. Over under half a game suspension, which way would you be going on Aaron Donald? Um, I'm going to say, I'm going to say under, it's not one that I've thought about too much, but, um, I think, you know, we've seen these, these scuffles before we've seen, you know, certain guys take swings either, you know, with a fist or something else, never really seen, uh, the kind of follow through with any sort of definitive suspension. So I don't think they're going to make an example out of Aaron Donald. So I would take under, uh, under a game basically for sure. If I'm getting suspended in my opinion. All right. Which, uh, week zero college football games are you betting on? That is a good question. I'm glad you asked, actually. So I do have uh, a little bit of Nebraska Corn Huskers. Have to stick, you know, um, with them, basically. And I also do like uh, the under, basically, in uh, UConn's match. But I do think that that game basically went from 60.0, a uh, spot that our model liked quite a bit, UConn, Utah State, uh, down from 60.5 to 69.5, now down to 58.5. I do still think that's a spot where uh, we're going to see quite a bit of defense no real semblance of offense, but I'm pretty comfortable uh, in that being probably my favorite bet uh, here coming up in weeks here on NCAA football. Yeah, I thought uh, I thought for sure it was going to be UNLV winning by three touchdowns. <laughs> three touchdowns. <laughs> I don't. I mean, that's the that's the real game I think coming up. I'm also excited for uh, you know I I don't know that's going to be a tough one. I do think New Mexico State is a team that uh, we've maybe back more so than we wanted to from like a modeling perspective with some of our batting approaches. But uh, I, I do think the bat is probably going to comfortably handle that one on Saturday night. Do, um, do we need better games in week zero? So we're not looking forward to somehow three win Nebraska from last year is a double digit favorite. And that's like the biggest game of the weekend. I think I would love to see some week zero games because it's, you know, it hits this perfect time. Obviously week one kind of, you know, the blow up week next week, but um, I would love to see some, decent size match, at least between two teams in the top 25. I don't think we have, you know, uh, any team basically in the top 25 kicking off until that Thursday, September 1st game. So uh, I think if they really want to increase some exposure on college football, get football fans in general, you know, ready and excited for the upcoming season, I think they got to unleash some of these top dogs here and have them, have them duke it out here in week zero. I would be all for that from my perspective. Well, I'm excited to see you uh, lose your Nebraska bet because they do something <laughs> stupid in the final two minutes of the game. It's gar- it's guaranteed right. to happen. You got to hope they're winning by like 24 and not by like 15. Exactly. That is probably uh, the lock of the weekend. I would say for sure is Nebraska <laughs> somehow fumbling away a victory uh, and, and 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 you know coming out with the feed because. It was the story of 2021, and I think it's going to continue forward here in 2022. Well, he is Ben Brown from Pro Football Focus. Are you in an airport right now? I mean, I am outside. I'm sorry for the terrible. No, it, uh, it sounds quality. fine. I am outside my hotel ah. hoping to get an early check-in here. So we, I did land in Vegas. Uh, I might be coming to visit you guys in a little bit. And if anybody has any recommendations on things to do in Vegas, definitely let me know through Twitter because I'm all ears for the next 
48 hours. Nothing to do here. Uh, Wrong city to come to. to (laughs) Um, All right. He's Ben Brown from Pro Football Focus. Ben, as always, we appreciate it. Thanks, Ben. Thanks, guys. Have a great show. So I didn't know he was coming here. Wonder if he's going to the Raiders. I was going to say we moved him back, and I Jared was like, "Yeah, he's got a flight." I didn't know he was here. Did I not say that? I don't no, think. No, no. I think okay, you just said right. you moved him back. I didn't even know why we moved oh. him back. Yeah, he had a flight. He was cut. He, <laughs> if it were possible, I would have been like, "Hey, man, just come to the studio." I'm but, glad. I'm glad we all three had different levels of information. Yes, I had none. Ed just knew he got moved. Yes. I knew he got moved because of a flight, and Jared knew. Oh, he's flying here. Yeah. I've, oh. Is that attending the game tonight? I don't know. We should have asked him. We had him on the phone. Well, none of us knew he was coming to Vegas until we said goodbye. It's your fault, Jared. Come on. All right. Coming up next, it's Bischoff's Briefs. Bischoff's Briefs. Dude, I'm not going to cave in. End of story, dude. Bischoff's Briefs. Dude. 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 Bischoff's Briefs. Dude. Bischoff's Briefs. I guess you've got a point there. Cofield and Company is out at the Golden Circle Sports Book and Bar today from 3 to 6 p.m. So head down to Treasure Island and find Cofield and Company this afternoon. Bischoff's Briefs today. By the way, we've got Luke Bryan tickets coming up a little bit later in the show, so stay tuned for that. But Bischoff's Briefs today... We're looking at UNLV football, and you guys ready to give some predictions? Let's do it. All right. Jared, are you ready to give some predictions? I mean, sure. All right. Let me see if I can come up with something stupid. The first thing that we're going to predict, who starts at quarterback in the season opener? Who goes first? I'll go first. I think it's going to be Doug Brumfield. Okay. And... My reasoning is just based on what people that have been at practice have said. Mike Ramal has been on the show. He said he thinks it's going to be Doug Brumfield. I know Caleb Herring has tweeted thinking it's going to be Doug Brumfield. I think Paloma Villacana from uh, Fox 5 has also tweeted thinking it's going to be Doug Brumfield. So simply listening to the people that have been at practice, I think it's Doug Brumfield. I wouldn't be that surprised if we found out that Marcus Arroyo was trying to fool the media that was at practice and it's really somebody else. But based on them, I'm, I'm guessing it's Doug Brumfield. All of the above. Jared? Uh, <laughs> I think it's Doug Brumfield. Who who did Mike Ramala said looked the worst in practice? Well, Cameron uh, Friel didn't even make it. He, yeah, okay, he yeah, that's, that's who's starting. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I would say... Um, no, I think it's Doug Brumfield. And that, to me, is going to be one of the more disappointing things, that Harrison Bailey didn't win this job, because that was... My optimism about the offseason was that, oh, they got this transfer from Tennessee, who he might be the answer to their bad quarterback play for many, many years. And if he didn't beat out Doug Brumfield, it probably means Harrison Bailey wasn't actually that good. And they're going with not that Doug Brumfield's a bad quarterback, but he's not going to be a top four Mountain West quarterback. He's probably not going to be a top half Mountain West quarterback. And UNLV's like they have been for years, stuck with the eighth, ninth, 10th best quarterback in the Mountain West in Doug Brumfield. And if Harrison Bailey couldn't beat him out, then Harrison Bailey would be the eighth, ninth, 10th best quarterback in the Mountain West too, which is, not good enough. All right, second thing to predict. How many different players start a game at quarterback this season for UNLV? I'm going to say two. I don't think I don't think uh, Friel starts a game. Starts a game or plays? It says starts. starts? Yeah. Oh, I'm going to say starts two. Starts. Okay, starts. I'm, I'm going to say two. I'm going to say three, but oh. then 
I will also say I think a wide receiver takes at least one snap. <laughs> uh, they've done that both years. The under they, well, they've had a wide receiver throw a pass. Yep, both years. Um, I'm going with three start. Oh, you think Real gets a start? I think they through injuries, the team struggling, or and or the quarterback play struggling. I think we're going to see all three. Wow. I think okay. as a starter. Yeah, as a starter because Marcus Arroyo didn't think any of the quarterbacks won the job outright. Otherwise, we would have a clear starter already, right? We wouldn't be 28 hours away Would from you, kickoff. or is it just more him who likes to kind of keep everything secret? Okay, let me, let me give you this hypothetical really quick. Doug Brumfield is the third best quarterback in the Mountain West this year. Plays all 12 games, is awesome. Does Marcus Arroyo name him the starter the following offseason before the first game of the year? I think he transfers. <laughs> <laughs> he goes back in the portal. He's already been in the portal. You can't go back I, in, can you? I guess you can. I know there's reason to be skeptical about Arroyo, but if he had, like, if they have an awesome quarterback this year and the guy comes back, I leads into a bowl. I still, I believe Arroyo will name that guy the starter. He's not going to play this weird game with a guy who was awesome last season right. and say, uh-oh, Cam Friel might beat him out again. Yeah. I think he would name a starting quarterback if the guy was awesome. So to transfer that logic back, I don't believe he knows who the starting quarter or who should be the starting quarterback this year. Well, I hope he knows right now. Well, he knows he's going to put out there for snap one, but I don't right. believe he's convinced that Doug Brumfield or Harrison Bailey is actually the right guy. Because if he was, I think he would name the guy the starting quarterback. I think he would say, yep, that is our number by now. Maybe not at the beginning of fall camp, but by now he would have said, yep, that guy is I our I think starter. there's a lot of paranoia to where, like, we don't want to give Idaho State anything. <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> if Idaho State is worried about, uh-oh, is it Harrison Bailey or <laughs> Doug Brumfield, I, they're going to be in trouble anyways. All right. Next prediction. What is the final score of UNLV and Idaho State? Jerry, you want to go first this time? 47-49, Iowa State. Well, they're not playing Iowa I, State. Sorry. <laughs> Idaho State. You think Idaho State wins and almost puts up 50 on them? I've just, it just feels right. <laughs> if Jared's prediction is right, Monday we are starting the show with, will Marcus Arroyo be fired? <laughs> that's what, if they lose and give up almost 50 to them, that's, I mean, that's because they're not winning a game this season. 27-14 UNLV. I'm the homer here. 31-17 UNLV. Okay. I think they win comfortably. Okay. If this if this game's close in the fourth quarter, yeah. might have some problems. I think they win this one comfortably. So can I ask a quick prediction? How many delay of game penalties <laughs> will they get during a kickoff? <laughs> Whole season or this first game? Whole season. One. It will happen one time. I'll complain about it on this show, but one time. They'll get a delay of game. Wait, are you factoring in? Because last year, here's what they did. They burned some timeouts. Okay. That's, so as uh, to... Not to, to avoid to avoid the delay of to game. Avoid it. So are we talking the actual delay of game, or do they call a timeout? No, uh, the they offense? have to. They have to burn a timeout too. Oh, twice it happens twice. Yeah, yeah that sounds right. There will be a kickoff. UNLV will be 
Still on the sideline. And they'll be on the sideline. And once they'll get called for delay a game, once they'll burn the timeout. Do they still have the celebration on the sideline, you think? Well, that's a good question. That is a good thing to predict. Is the slot machine... It has to be, right? That thing cost a bunch of money to make. Yeah, that was a, and I thought it was a great uh, promotion. Oh, it's, it was a, it's phenomenal. It's one of the best things the football yeah. program's ever done. It's awesome. Incredible. I, it has to be. If it's not, well, hell, the Raiders might say, oh, we can't get it inside the field in time. We <laughs> We've got only a game. got 16 hours. Right. So, pending what the Raiders say about getting that thing in the building, I think it has to be there. Otherwise, it, if it's not there, that's worse than losing to Idaho State. What'd you do with that thing? Bring it back. All right. Uh, looking ahead a little bit into the future, will UNLV beat Nevada to end the season? Yes, no. I believe they will. Damn, Jared, come on! It's my like I went to UNLV. I just don't have any like I have no confidence. Yes, they are beating, yes, they Nevada, are beating Nevada to end the season. Uh, Bill Cannon's Con- gonna go red. So I'll give you this. Uh, Fun stat, Bill Connolly at ESPN wrote a story about roster turnover. Nevada has the least amount of returning production in college football in 20 years. They lost more of their roster from last year than... I'm far more excited about New Mexico State. (laughs) Than anybody in 20 years. Um, For UNLV's sake, that probably won't matter as much the rest of the season, right? At the end of the season, that matters more earlier in the season. But... I think Nevada is going to be very, very bad. And to look ahead in the future and future topics of this show, if UNLV in its third year of Marcus Arroyo loses to Nevada, who had to replace their coach and pretty much their entire roster, that's a horrible sign for where UNLV is going as a program. All right, next thing to predict. Will UNLV rank higher in scoring offense or scoring defense in the Mountain West this season? Scoring offense. So four straight seasons, UNLV has been 11th or 12th in scoring defense in the Mountain mm-hmm. West. They've been the worst or second they worst. They've really struggled stopping anyone. The last time their scoring defense ranked higher than their scoring offense was 2013. Hey, I'm going. That's the last time they went to the NSA tournament. <laughs> it was a good year. <laughs> I'm going with defense, though. Really? Uh, I have really? very little faith in the quarterback Even play. with all those wide receivers? Who's throwing them the ball? Uh, the guy starting most well, likely starting. Doug Brumfield is the guy most likely starting has completed less than fifty percent of his passes as a D one college quarterback. Uh, so I have very little faith in the quarterback play. I think the defense will be improved, and I think we're looking at like the eighth best scoring defense and the tenth best scoring offense this season. All right. Uh, hmm. Offense or defense, Jared? No, oh, definitely off. I think the offense, but I want to do the caveat of. It's going to be Daniel Gutierrez that leads them in scoring. <laughs> All right. How many wins will UNLV have this season? Five. Wow. Jared, are you going to say zero? Three. Who are they beating? You've predicted them to lose to like the two worst teams on the schedule. Yeah, but I mean, New Mexico's in there, right? Yeah, they're bad. They are. Yeah, that was Hawaii. So- and they always, for some reason, beat a team that they shouldn't. No, that was the Tony Sanchez special. Arroyo has yet to do that. Oh, yeah, you're right. Is it crazy that I almost went six in a yes, bowl? Yes, it's crazy that you said five, five, to be honest. Five games. I'm going with four. Okay. And well, I'll, we're I'll, not that far apart. Uh, you're crazy. I'll give you this setup. Um, they start the year three and two. They're going to beat North Texas. They're going to beat Idaho State. They're going to beat New Mexico. Then they're going to lose six straight games. <laughs> and then they're going to end the year beating Nevada. And that'll be their fourth win of the season to go four and eight. And again, projecting into the future, 
if they are three and two, everybody's going to be thinking bowl game. And then under my guess here, they're going to lose six in a row. Marcus Arroyo is going to be on the hot seat and he's going to beat Nevada to save his job in the final game of the year. Okay. Where's my five Idaho state, <laughs> North Texas, New Mexico, Hawaii and Unar. Okay. So you'd have them That's losing five, five. A row, five yeah. in a row in the middle and winning the last two to get to five wins. I still think they can go to Hawaii. Well, like you said, we're not sure Hawaii has a team. Uh, or that's true. Thing. That's true. So that's my that's my guess. My main thing is they're going to Hawaii. I think they're going to lose going on the road to Hawaii. That's Even though that's one of my wins. <laughs> Mine too. Even though I'd have to look it up. I think in the past they've they've actually won that more in Hawaii than they've won it here in Vegas. I think the road team has won that series a fairly high amount of times yeah. in recent history. When I used to go to that game in Sam Boyd, it was a majority of Hawaii fans. Yes. It yes. was it felt like sure. a road game. Well, given their I mean their attendance has been bad at home. You Hawaii's the last couple of years, they may have had more fans at Sam Boyd than they did. They might have in, more fans living here. Right, than they did in, actually in Hawaii and but they this year they're playing at the smaller stadium because they're renovating the Aloha Stadium. So they're. Pl- I think it's this year is the first year they're playing at the smaller stadium, which actually looks a little nicer than Aloha Stadium. It just doesn't seat. <laughs> Been to Aloha 000. Stadium, yeah. It's, so uh, not forgettable. Right. There's your prediction. Oh, last one. Will Marcus Arroyo be on the hot seat during or after this season? I will say no. I think he's going to come and win five games. Jared has him losing to Idaho State <laughs> and Nevada. So your answer has to be yes. Because if they lose to Idaho State, he's on what, the hot seat. What was the term that Mike Romala used? The he was like, "There is somebody, there is somebody setting up a propane tank underneath the seat, but it hasn't been turned on yet." <laughs> like he said something about that with one of the coaches, and yeah, that's how I feel. It's like maybe, I mean, he's still under contract, and we, I, I don't want them to just be paying a guy for f- being fired. No, no, the clause in his contract. As soon as he gets another job, they stop paying him. Uh, I think he will be on the hot seat, but I don't think he gets fired. I think they lose that six in a row, and I think there's real conversations about, okay, a three-win team that lost six, maybe seven in a row. But you're saying if they go four wins, he does not. I Well, so I think they're going to lose six in a row, and I think there's going to be real talk about his job, and then they beat Nevada at the end of the year, and that's enough. I'm telling you, I was far away from you. I was, like, I re- I was ready to go six in a bowl. Oh, man. They played San Diego State and Fresno pretty tough last year. Yeah. I mean, they they, lost. they they lost, but those one of those eight or under games that uh, also losing to San Diego State by like eight is the same as losing to a normal team by twenty one. Well, because of how <laughs> San Diego State plays, yes, like an eight point loss. It's a blowout loss to San Diego State because you had three offensive possessions the whole game. Ones I just don't see. I don't see Air Force eight nothing Notre Dame. Oh, here's one I want to ask you about. I think this is interesting because I I have no idea how good this team is. And it's almost like Wyoming going to Illinois. You just assume Illinois is going to win in the spreads eight or nine. Like the game I'm most interested to see is Cal. Because I have no clue. They're they're not great. They're a bad Pac-12 team. Yeah, they're a bad Pac-12 team. So so I have no clue. Now you'd expect Cal to be favored nine, ten points, whatever. But that's kind of the one game. I don't know if if they'll go win there. But it's like, I would I be shocked? Right. I don't think I'd be shocked. It's very similar to when Tony Sanchez went to Vanderbilt and won. Yeah. It's very it's like, similar to that. Cal's better than that. Van, that Vanderbilt team was not good. Uh, Cal's better than that Vanderbilt team, but it's similar to that where it's a power five team. And if UNLV plays well, they absolutely they can win that game Can beat Cal because yeah. Cal's not that good. Now that Cal's going to be favored. If Cal plays well, Cal wins right. regardless of what UNLV does. But 
Cal plays poorly. UNLV has a pretty good game. Yeah, they absolutely can beat Cal. How do they beat Notre Dame? Um, that's a tough one. Notre Dame season gets canceled. Nice. Notre Dame joins the Big Ten in the middle of the season. That's and on Peacock. Has to forfeit the game. Yeah, that one's on Peacock. All right. Coming up next, we'll jump into the Raiders. A special moment here as they are going to do a huddle that was famously used by the late, great Len Dawson. It's the choir huddle. And this is how Len Dawson huddled up with his team. And a great sign of respect. Pat Mahomes out there for the first play of the game. Well, it's, you know, it's just a tribute to those guys that set the foundation for this organization and for the team. And what a great tribute to Lynn Dawson as Patrick Mahomes comes off the field. You're listening to the Press Box Summer Edition. All right, at the risk of sounding like an ass, was I supposed to know that Lynn Dawson and the choir huddle were synonymous with each other? Y- yeah. Uh, I mean... Maybe not, yeah, but it's sort of, how else do you, like, memorialize somebody? Like, Hopefully something better than the way they huddled up before taking the field. They should have had Mahomes just sitting on the bench smoking, smoking a, a cigarette. cigarette. That would actually been, that would have, I mean, that's the, pretty classic. That's, that's the other classic famous photo. thing. Yeah, that's what I actually know. Lynn, I don't even know if Lynn Dawson was good at football. I just know he, he was smoking a cigarette on the was, bench. He kind of was... Uh, him and Joe Namath were the guys that were like, hey, you know, I could throw it. <laughs> I just It was seems like, efficient. Like, it's really efficient. If I just if I throw it down the field and then he catches it, we gain lots of yards. I just saw tweets about choir huddle, Pat Mahomes, and I was like, what is this? Like, I don't know what that is. Oh, do you, I, do I, knew the, I knew the cigarette smoking. Yeah, that would have been way better. You guys, you guys just nailed no. exactly what the Chiefs should have done. Have Pat Mahomes instead Literally, of the choir huddle. Andy Reid just handing out Marlboros <laughs> yes! down a row. He's got two weeks before the actual season. His lungs will recover. He He'll can take fine. a puff, puff or two. He'll be fine. All right, a couple of notes. Um, one, Becky Hammond won Coach of the Year in the WNBA. Um, uh, we hadn't talked about that one, but that seemed like a obvious first year in the WNBA. They get the one seed. Also... Uh, did you see in baseball that Julio Rodriguez, the Mariners rookie, has apparently agreed to a long-term deal with the Mariners? Yeah, there's a big, there's a big gap here. Right, that that's what I was gonna say. It, it's a two hundred million dollar <laughs> deal with the chance to earn four hundred and fifty. Like, what is... does this guy have? What are the incentives in this guy's contract? MVP million. It's like, <laughs> like, what are the incentives here? How do you get from two to four fifty? Right. We have not seen the actual details of this contract, how many years it is. And like you said, Jesse Sanchez is reporting the deal is expected to guarantee him more than two hundred million with the possibility <laughs> of earning him as much as four hundred and fifty million. Those numbers aren't close. That's not like, hey, it's a two hundred million dollar deal and you can earn two fifty. That's more than four, double. Four fifty. Right. So I'm kind of curious to see what the actual details are because those are, again, not even close to what could actually happen here. Um, all right. Raiders are 3-0 in the preseason. They've got a chance to make it 4-0 tonight against the Patriots. How much do preseason results matter to you? They don't matter at all to me. Okay. They don't matter at all to me. They shouldn't. Um, but there's a fun Twitter thread looking at preseason results. Uh, thanks to Costa on Twitter. I'm not going to pronounce his last name because I will butcher it very poorly. But basically, he did this for the NBA too and went through 
uh, point differential in preseason games and compared it to how teams then performed in the regular season. And it's not like a super strong correlation, but there is a correlation to your point differential in the preseason and the regular season. So if you look so far, the Raiders are plus 24 is their point differential in three preseason games. Obviously they have another one against the Patriots. They could lose by 24 and it could be zero. But if the Raiders beat the Patriots by seven points or something, they'll be plus 31 in four preseason games. There is some previous data that suggests that matters a little bit and the Raiders might be better than expected. Ultimately what the, what costs have kind of found is that when you're, the whole point of him looking at this was for betting, right? And the idea of, hey, does any of this data matter, right? We get three to four games of data on all these teams. Does it matter? And basically what they what he found was like, yeah, you might be able to, you know, move a team's win total by a half game, a game, maybe even a game and a half sometimes if you factor in their preseason point differential. So I typically am with you. I wouldn't think it would matter. But there is some previous evidence to suggest that preseason results might uh, should cause us to maybe bump a team up or bump a team down, depending on how they do. The 08 Lions that went 0-16 outscored their opponents 80-32. to Dominant. Just big, big. I, I, I think that's they went 4-0 in the preseason, outscored their opponents by, what, 48? Yeah. So they always move the, they always move the total on Baltimore? No, no, they don't. But his point is they don't. The sports books don't care. But you can potentially find an edge because in the preseason team, his whole the whole point is like if you're doing sports betting or any sort of sports predictions or anything like that, you're doing it off of data, right? Like right, you're doing right. it off of information. Preseason games are information. Now the quality of that information is not as good as a regular season game, but it is information. And the key. It's the most recent information we get on a team before the regular season starts, right? So there should be, you should take it into account. The Chargers aren't winning the uh, AFC West. They are minus 21. Because they're minus 21 right now. I think, and one of his sort of caveats was that he did not do was it would be better to go through and look at data between when starters played and when starters starters didn't play. play, Because the Raiders have played none. Right. And to me, like if you look at the Raiders this year, I think there are. Two things so far that have stood out that have mattered. One, the defense has been pretty good in the preseason. However, they haven't played very many starters. They played Tua, and and that was it. They haven't played other starting quarterbacks. But the defense has been pretty good, and they've done it without Chandler Jones and Max Crosby playing a single snap. I, I do think there might be reason to believe the defense might be a little bit better than we were expecting. And then on the negative side, the offensive line has looked atrocious. Right, the pass right. protection has pass been protection awful. Has been awful, and outside of yeah. Colton Miller, they've played guys that they expect to start on the offensive line. So I, I think those two things matter. The defense might be better than we're anticipating, and the offensive line is about as bad as we've said it has the entire offseason. Because you talk about playing starters and everything, and maybe that's uh, causes you to not be as excited about the defensive performance. Not playing starters and the offensive line looking as bad as it has, like the defense not using starters that's a bad sign for when they actually have to play starters right. for a full game. So I, I do think don't run out and be like, oh, of course the Raiders are going over, but I do think we can walk away saying defense is probably going to be a little bit better than expected. Offensive line is as, as bad as we're projecting it to be because they've looked bad regardless of who's on the other side of the ball. And you know, Alex Leatherwood still exists for now. Are they cutting him. You think he gets cut? I do not. Okay. Do you? No, I 
I don't think so. I do not think they cut. I don't out think he's league. starting. I don't either. But I think he's on the bench, and they are avoiding playing him as much as they possibly can <laughs> throughout the entire course of the season. All right, Luke Bryan tickets. Time to give them away. 702-364-1100 is the phone number. He's playing at Resorts World. We got a pair of tickets for August 31st. So two tickets, Luke Bryan, Resorts World, August 31st. 702-364-1100 is the phone number. We'll take caller number 15 at 702-364-1100. If you want to go see Luke Bryan, be caller 15 right now. 702-364-1100. And Cini trails it deep to left field, and you can kiss it goodbye. Into the Landry's Crawford boxes. A three-run jack for Mancini and a 4-1 to lead for the Astros. Back to the Press Box Summer Edition. Who's better, Trey Mancini or Joey Gallo since getting traded? Trey Mancini. You sure? Gallo, I think, has the yeah. highest OPS of any player that yeah. got traded. Trey Mancini. Joey still strikes out a lot. <laughs> what are your expectations of Joey Gallo? That he's going to hit little, little more, little more contact. <laughs> had a double the other night down the line. That was that was good because usually it's all or nothing, home run or strikeout. So he had a double. <laughs> I was excited about that. Uh, I think the numbers are... In 92 games with the Orioles this year, Trey Mancini hit 10 home runs. And in 18 with the Astros, he's hit six. Okay, then he's had a better time than Joey Gallo. I think Joey Gallo has, he has one for sure. Might only be one at the most two since he's come over. Uh, Mancini, I think it is, of his six home runs, two have been hit uh, into the Crawford boxes in Houston that would not have been home runs if he was still playing in Baltimore. Because Baltimore moved their left field wall back like 30 feet or something like that to where like you can't hit home runs if you pull it in Baltimore. Uh, but it, Houston obviously has the second shortest left field and he's hit a couple home runs in there. Like that mm-hmm. guy. If only Dusty Baker would play him every day. It'd be fun. <laughs> they also, the other guy they traded for Christian Vasquez, the catcher, he's hitting like 380 since the Astros traded for him. He plays once every three days. Oh, this is the guy that you're all mad. You're always mad well, about. No, no, I'm mad about Martin Maldonado, who's playing ahead of him and hitting a whopping like 140 on the year, and the guy they've got behind him playing one third of the games is hitting 382. Who's the guy who can throw people out at third so he plays? Oh no, that's the center fielder, Mauricio Dubon. <laughs> who he can play, he can throw people out at third, so we have to play him. So the funny part about that, Dusty Baker. For any of you that missed it. Dusty Baker plays their utility infielder in center field when Justin Verlander plays. And his logic is, well, he can throw runners out going first to third. It's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. Since Dusty, That's dumber than La Russa stuff. <laughs> since Dusty Baker said that, uh, Mauricio Dubon has made two errors in the outfield. One of them, he let a ball go past him and a runner went from first to home. <laughs> <laughs> So he stopped him from going first to third by simply letting him go first to home hey, in the outfield. He did his job. He did. He did his job. But it's one of the dumb. It's some of the dumbest logic I've ever heard. Um, okay. We still don't have actual details here, but Jeff Passan tweeted this about Julio Rodriguez, the Mariners rookie outfielder. Uh, he said his extension is very complicated, but it is. Uh, so it's a 14 year deal, Jesus, which is very, very long. Uh, 210 million is guaranteed the ability to grow over $400 million. So I'm guessing what that means is that if Julio Rodriguez from here on out hits like 180, he's going to make exactly $210 million over 14 years. 
But I'm guessing the I my thought without actually knowing is this is probably a really smart deal because if Julio Rodriguez continues on his career trajectory that his rookie season has shown, he's going to be a, you know, eight, nine time all-star. He's going to be getting MVP votes multiple seasons. He's going to be really good. And if he hits certain things, he's going to have a 14 year deal that pays him 300, 320, 380 or something like that million dollars, not just 210. So the Mariners in one way, probably protected themselves to some degree in case he does end up sucking or injury prone or whatever, that they only have to pay him 210. And on the Julio Rodriguez side, he guaranteed himself $210 million, even if he sucks the rest of his well, career. Well, the last time we heard about a contract like this, as long as he stays off motorcycle and doesn't get <laughs> ringworm, then he'll be okay. He'll be able to earn a lot of money. Right. So I, I'm thinking this is going to end up being a pretty smart deal where, because if he well, if he's that good, by the way, to get to three fifty, you're fine paying him, right? And if he sucks, right, and doesn't hit any of these incentives, two hundred million, it's fifteen million a year, yeah. which is a lot for a player that sucks, but it's it's much better than if you guaranteed him three fifty right. over fourteen, right? right? Fifteen million, yes, it's a lot, but it's not like sinking your franchise right. type of uh, money. So I think that, depending on what some of those details are between two ten and four hundred. I think that could be a really good deal. I mean, what are ways. the incentives? All-star game, MVP. I mean, uh, yeah, I'm guessing runs. all-star MVP. Do you if you're Julio well, Rodriguez, do you, do you agree to team success? Like do you agree to hey, if we make the ALCS, I get another 20 million, if we win the World Series, I get another 50 million? Like, I don't know. Maybe you would, but it's the Mariners, so I don't know if I'd right. be that quick to agree to team success. I mean, I hope though. I hope it's like 20,000 for a single. 20,000 <laughs> per single? Every at bat, he's every got ad. money on the yeah. line. <laughs> so it's like, ah, I struck out. That just cost me three grand. <laughs> that would be tremendous. Well, and the Mariners, you're could talking about 250 board. more million. So maybe you're right. Yeah, it I might mean, be. Really, really small amounts, though. Like, uh, uh, ah, bucks. Dang he, it. He, just, a... he pulls out 50 bucks and <laughs> runs it. <laughs> He hits a home run while the Mariners are down twelve to three, and he is just pumped. Yeah, runner just because a home run's flip. five grand. Oh, it's just it pumped because he just like hits some incentive to get like a million bucks. I can finally afford my Mercedes. <laughs> <laughs> so, Julio Julio Rodriguez, fourteen year deal. That's a long time to be committed. It's a crazy deal. I think he's like twenty one. So you're not looking at like. You're not wonder if there's for... like wonder if he's got the trout no trade. Uh, it, Jeff Passan did say there are player and team options. So, which by the way, if there's a full team option, they can get out of it if it's a right. bad contract. If he, if he stinks, right? And if it's a full player option at some point, then he can get out of it Especially if he's, if he's awesome. great and then go right. get another deal. I'm guessing there's going to be some mutual options in there as well, where they both have to agree, which they probably will.